This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's always great to be back. My guest today is Danelle Dixon. Danelle is the CEO and Executive Director of the Stellar Development Foundation, which is a nonprofit um, using blockchain to unlock the world's economic potential. Um, Danelle will be with me in just a moment, and I have a lot of questions for her on this topic. Remember to stay with us as we go into our breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors, bringing you the latest news in technology, finance, marketing, healthcare, legal matters, nonprofit, and military affairs. Our watch team continues to expand, which is really exciting, and we'll be launching a brand new lifestyle watch next month with Sherry Morrison, so stay tuned for that. And if you'd like to learn more about our watch team and how to be a part of the show, feel free to email laura at womentowatch.net. That's laura, L-A-U-R-A, at womentowatch.net, N-E-T. And visit our website to subscribe to the podcast and newsletter uh, to stay in the loop on see who's coming up next on the show. So now I'm very honored and thrilled to welcome to the show again, Danelle Dixon, the CEO and Executive Director of the Stellar Development Foundation. Danelle, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, it's such an honor. Thank you so much for having me. So just so our listeners know, I believe you're with us from sunny California. I am right outside of San Francisco and it is sunny today. We haven't had warm weather, but it's been sunny. (laughs) Good, 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 good. Um, Listen, I wanted to um, open up the show, of course, with your background, a little bit about your upbringing. And um, one of the things that you shared with me was just how important getting into college was to your family. And I wonder if you could talk about that for uh, a few minutes and why it was the case. Yeah, sure. I was born uh, and I was raised in Gilroy, California, which is just not too, it's about an hour and a half south of San Francisco. And uh, my mom and dad worked really hard, but they did not go to college. And so going to college for them, having someone in the family go to college was really important. 
uh, and they my dad had to work like three jobs to be able to um, to be able to support the family my mom was a stay-at-home mom for most of my childhood and I had two brothers uh, as well who were older and my parents were um, were it was that we had a great family life but they were really focused on me try and trying to help me to to do something different than the rest of our extended family because none of my extended family had actually ever gone to college either and so it was one of those things where my dad constantly would tell me if you go to college just one day you've done more than anyone else in the family and uh, you can and if even if you stopped in that day we would be proud of you and so it was just a really remarkable thing for me when I applied to colleges and then when I was able to get in, my mom and dad had a really big say in which college I went to. They didn't want me to be at Berkeley because they thought Berkeley was crazy um, coming from where they were, which is just so funny to think about it like that. Um, but I ended up at UC Davis and it was very much like my hometown because it was very agricultural focused as well. And yeah, it was it was wonderful. My dad and my mom both supported me through emotional support saying, you know, even the second year, if you go back this year, this is more than any anybody in our family has ever done. And, uh, the wow. was, and was that pressure? Yeah. No, Did that it, feel like pressure for you or were you excited about it? I was so excited about it. I felt like freedom with it. My, my, you know, having the ability and, you know, I had to work through college and pay my way, uh, in addition to some support that my parents could give, but it felt like such freedom from, and being the, with the ability to do whatever I wanted to do. And I, I think that, you know, not everybody gets to have that kind of support from their family. And I'm just so grateful that, that I, that I have yeah. that. Um, I have a quote here. You said in another uh, interview, we went on a lot of camping trips and experienced very, very uncommon family dinners. And I wanted to know what, yeah, what were those conversations around the outside dinner table? Yeah, so we, um, you know, we, we went on a lot of camping trips because we didn't have a lot of money. So we were, that was our vacation, is that we would go even to local camping trips right up the hill from us. And uh, I think it was just that, you know, we did a lot of, you know, we, I don't know if the, if your listeners know what snipes are, but my dad would take us out right after dinner. We would talk all through dinner about going snipe hunting. And um, snipes were not really a thing, but um, they were, my dad would used to go to the top of a hill and kick rocks down the hill. It was at night, so we couldn't tell. And he would say, the snipes are coming and get your bags out so that we could like try to catch the snipes in our, in our plastic bags. And in fact, we would come back to the campfire with just rocks um, every time. And he'd say, well, maybe next time you'll get that. And it was years before we figured out that this was all just a ruse to get us outside away. But we would spend a lot of time talking in, uh, about you know, just like the, the, our family history. And, and also my dad was very focused on um, politics. And so we just spent a lot of time, family dinners were really important to my parents and really important to my family generally. That's so nice. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, picturing that. And um, it's something that certainly seems to be missing in today's society because everyone's too busy to have those meaningful conversations around the dinner table. Um, tell me what, what you meant when you have spoken about the importance of family generations sharing informa- information, passing down information um, from one generation to the other. Yeah, I learned so much. My great grandmother on my mom's side, she, my Nona, she came from Italy. She came when she was very young. And uh, I think just understanding the trials and the challenges that they had in their life and how they eventually made it all the way out to Hollister, California. Uh, They came through New York um, on the boats. And just having that 
it, it was very grounding for me as a child to be with her, but also to hear her stories. And then also my grandfather to hear his stories about how hard he had to work in, in real labor, like not, not, I mean, we all work hard. I just mean like physical labor to be able to support his family and to, to do the chores around the house that I think that my children would never even know where to start with. I think it's just uh, having that, it's it, having that generational um, foundational knowledge of where you came from. It just really, it, it gave me a lot of um, warmth as I was going through all the different phases of my life. And I try to do that with my boys. We, we talk a lot about our family history and um, spend a lot of time like making those meals that I made. We had Sunday dinners at my grandma's house every Sunday and making those same meals and we have Sunday dinners and, you know, just trying to bring that sort of sense of family and, and generational awareness to um, everyone. Yeah, I think that's so nice, Danelle. I think when we get older, the older we get, the more we want to know those stories. And if, you're, if your parents are sharing that from the beginning, I think it's really wonderful. Um, by the way, I want our listeners to know you're a mom of five boys. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's a lot. And um, you don't just have a couple of boys, you're managing, you know, a large global company, and you're the mom of five boys. And I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit later in the show. Um, you're you're an attorney by trade, and previously served as a legal advisor in private equity and technology. Tell me what was missing that led you away from that work. Oh, I think it. I think it actually led me to that work because I feel like the um, that work led me to where I am. So much of what I learned is foundational in terms of being a trial lawyer. I learned so much about goals, strategies, and tactics which that's what you do when you think about what your client needs and what their ideas are in terms of the outcome of the case, and you use that in business. And so I feel like so much of my legal framework and that thinking as well as working in technology has led me to this place now where I employ all of those same tactics to achieve different goals uh, that are really focused on improving society and, and making life better for others. And so I think that that's a, it, it's a great like journey for me. Yeah, you know, but being able to work, um, but also have a mission behind the work, I think is always such a gift. And and I want to talk a little bit more about that in the second segment. Stay with us as I continue with Danelle Dixon, the CEO and Executive Director of the Stellar Development Foundation. Stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be right back. Now the women to watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. From your first menstrual period to menopause. Regular visits to the gynecologist are essential to good health. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, we spoke to Jefferson gynecologist, Dr. Rebecca Jackson, and covered many important topics, including abnormal bleeding, pelvic pain, vaginal discharge, and menopause. In the past, women were advised to have a yearly visit with a pap smear, pelvic exam, and breast exam. A pap test uses a small swab to collect cells from the surface of the cervix to look for precancerous changes. An HPV, or human papillomavirus, test is done to look for strains of the virus that can cause cancer. HPV, a sexually transmitted disease that can lead to genital warts and cancer of the cervix, vagina, penis, anus, and oral cavity. That's why it's so important to get the vaccine called Gardasil, recommended for girls and women ages 9 to 45, boys and men ages 9 to 45. Over time, gynecologists have learned that it takes time for cervical cancer to develop, so they've expanded the time between screenings. These tests should begin at age 21 and repeated every three years to age 29. Then there are a few options for women ages 30 to 65. 
Whether you're due for a pap smear, even patients without symptoms should see their gynecologist at least once a year for well women care to talk about your cycle, pregnancy, menopause, and more. Patients who do have symptoms, we check for hormone levels or structural issues like ovarian cysts, fibroids, endometriosis, and if necessary, test for STDs and HIV. The most common bacterial infection is chlamydia. Untreated can cause infertility, ectopic pregnancy, or chronic pelvic pain. An infected mom can pass the infection during delivery, and baby can be born with infected eyes or even pneumonia. Listen to the entire show on yourradiodoctor.net or read more on ACOG, ACOG.org, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Treat yourself like a diva. If you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. Last week, I talked about technology trends that have been accelerated over the past year, such as telehealth and telemedicine. This week, I'd like to take a couple of minutes to discuss automation. Have you noticed your workload has increased and not decreased since working from home? For companies to keep up with competitors, they have to constantly get innovative and market new things faster and quicker. Those things can potentially add more to your plate. Because of this, we've seen a big increase in automation platforms. Organizing all the things you have to do is hard, and keeping all your tasks in one place could only help. By automating the repeatable things you work on every day could give you the time you need to complete all the other things you do. Through automation, you're able to be more efficient, and your manager thinks you're a superstar. Reporting on your team's activities and tasks gets easier, too. With automation reporting tools, you can spend more time time analyzing what the reports are telling you and focus on recommendations for organizational improvements. The introduction of these new automated technologies can be scary because it's change, but if you embrace the change and see the benefits, you'll find that life at work can get easier and more efficient. At Pathways, we implement ServiceNow, which is a cloud-based platform that automates HR, IT, customer service, audit, and so many other tasks, even tasks that go across departments. Through our adoption training, Pathways helps employees embrace the change automation brings by helping organizations learn the new way to get their work done. If you're not at your desk and on the go, most automation platforms can go anywhere you go with mobile access. So alerts can be sent to your phone and you can manage things just like you would if you were at your desk, never missing a beat. Automation can provide multiple benefits to any organization and to you. Leverage and embrace the change that automation brings to the workplace. Your day will become substantially improved and efficient. For more information, contact me at mary at pathwayscg.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Danelle Dixon today. And Danelle, of course, I can't tell your story, um, career story without talking about Mozilla Corporation, um, which you worked for prior to Stellar. Um, What was that, or I should say, was that a goal for you when you were there to kind of work your way through the ranks to be in a leadership position, or did it happen organically for you um, from the success of what you were doing there? That's a great question. I think for me, I never saw myself as necessarily a CEO. I saw myself as I, I just really liked challenging things and to and to work on issues and complicated frameworks and to try to achieve uh, solutions that were beneficial for not just the organization, but in, in Mozilla's case, for the web as a whole. 
And so I think that, you know, I, I had, I didn't have like personal aspirations to get there, but I definitely, I loved taking on those challenges. And the more that I could take on was, uh, it's sort of like, you know, some people love sugar. Uh, I just love to like consume these challenges because it works my brain and it keeps me really thoughtful and it keeps me on my toes. And that's one of the things I think I loved from when I was a trial lawyer is to have to be on your toes instead of on your heels. And I, um, so I think that it was working my way up through the different pieces of the organization and trying to figure out how to put them all together. I look at life as sort of like this puzzle and the puzzle can be put together in lots of different ways. And you need to figure out what is the best way that that puzzle can be put together for the, the, the solution that you need now for whatever problem that you're solving. And that's what Mozilla allowed me to do. And I was able to do that. And the business side, on the product side, on the policy side, on the legal side, there was just so many components of it that um, came together for me and, and used my brain in ways that I didn't really appreciate that it could be used. And so it was really pretty phenomenal. You know, I should I should go back for a second and talk about law school. Was how Was that hard for you? Law school can be incredibly challenging, the amount of reading and facts and, and, you know, how was that for you? I absolutely loved law school. I wish that, like, even today, I always tell my kids, college is, and, and, and whatever you do in terms of secondary education, it's the one time in your life where you're doing all of this just for you and take advantage of every single moment of it because there's nobody yeah. who's going to be waiting to see what your grade is. It's just you. Like, it's just about you. And so I, yeah. I really embraced law school with that. And I love learning. One of the things that if I could go back to school today, I would do it. It's one of the things that I think uh, really has kept me I, I, reading, like all of the consuming information is something that I just really, um, I find fascinating. And so it was hard, of course, it's hard for everyone. It's a very challenging, it's just, but it's, you know, like anything that you approach like that, where there's a lot of information that you have to bring and a lot of how you have to the frameworks that you have to think about to put it all together but it was just a really it was one of the best times in my life actually just because I, I really appreciated that I had three years to myself mm. yeah what a, that's a great way to look at it um I think in addition to having that innate curiosity and desire to learn and solve problems you do have to have a confidence in your own ability tell me where you develop that confidence in yourself that not only allowed you to really continue to move forward and upward in work, but to avoid, you know, um, falling into the, you know, the nonsense of, of growing up, all the things that kind of distract young people sometimes from their schooling. Yeah, I will. I honestly have to say, I think it started with my family and particularly my dad and my mom and how much faith they had in me and how they told me that I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. I wanted I decided I wanted to be a lawyer when I was in third grade after watching a made-for-TV movie by one of Charlie's Angels who happened to be, <laughs> she happened to be an actress in it. And I watched her and I was like, I want to be like her, not, not really having any sense about what it was that she was doing. And then I just pursued that. Right. And it was wow. uh, one of those things where I think, you know, I don't always, like, you know, I second-guess myself just like everyone. And then I just kind of try to force myself to remember that my instincts have always have always served me well. And so I might not be right all, all the time. And it's okay if you're wrong some of the times, as long as you can actually recognize like how you got there and then be able to digest that and then move to the next thing to be able to make it right. 
And um, my Nona told me, my, my great grandmother told me that, you know, don't ever regret anything in your life. Do things with the, with the spirit of understanding that you're going to make mistakes, but don't regret those mistakes. Just learn from them. And she told me that from yeah. when I was really young. And that, I think, is kind of carried with me. And I try to do it. I sometimes, you know, regress a little bit. and I do second guess myself and I get frustrated with choices that I've made or things that I've done. But then I just stick to the instinct of like, what is the problem? What is the solution? How can I help to get there? And then, of course, you can make changes along the way if you need to. So, Danielle, do you have, during those moments of self-doubt or, you know, just feeling a little bit insecure about a decision or a project, do you have a, a mantra that you use, something you say to yourself that helps you move past that moment? You know, I think, honestly, for me, the, the thing that I do in those moments is I go running. And when I run, it's that, I think it's the, the taking in the air. I think it's like the calming of my mind. And then I sort of put the pieces together in my head as I'm running. And so I remind myself how I got there and that I can have faith in what I've done historically. And then, you know, like, again, there is and the other thing that I do, which is, I think, a really important thing that I don't think enough people do is like, what is the worst outcome here? And when you get to that worst outcome and then you say, OK, well, that's okay. We can, we can, we can live with that and we can move forward. It makes you calm. And I think the between running and that sense of like getting to that, that place, it actually really helps me, um, to, to feel more secure again in my decisions. Yeah. I think that's really great advice. And, and would you not say it's, it's that ability to kind of calm, um, the chatter that's in your mind, in your head in those moments is such a big part of it. It's, it's the most important thing for me because there's so much that we, that, we, that we take in in the world and it's so important to be, I run every morning, I run every morning at six in the morning and I do it so that I can actually come back to the day and feel calm when I start. So I think that's the, it's such an important part of my life uh, and, and I, I don't know what I would do without that. I think I would be a little bit um, on edge all the time and a little bit crazier with my boys. But I think that, you know, we all need those things, <laughs> whatever those things might be. And that actually is what gets That's me right. That's right. The outlet, right? I think we all have a different outlet that works for us. We're going to go into our next break. Um, stay with us for our watch team. And I'll be back with Danelle Dixon. Now the women to watch, military watch. Hi. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. It's always important for me to recognize Cultural Awareness Months because I believe that raising awareness and understanding of diverse groups helps our nation become a more united one. In the military, I met people from all walks of life, different races, religions, ethnicities, and other identities. Yet we joined together for the common mission of defending our country. The result was and continues to be a stronger and more effective force. That said, May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, when we recognize the culture, traditions, and unique experiences represented among the 56 ethnic groups, including Native Hawaiians and other Pacific Islanders. Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders have played an important role in the nation's military history and culture, with more than a quarter million Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders 
that have served in the U.S. military since the War of 1812. Despite the racial and cultural prejudice this community has faced, generations of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders have made it their mission to defend the United States as members of our armed forces. This month gives us the opportunity to recognize and celebrate all Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders and honor those who have helped defend our freedom. If you have Xfinity, it's easy to learn more and celebrate this Cultural Awareness Month with us at Comcast NBC Universal. The Asian American Film and TV Collection, Destination on Xfinity X1, brings together all of the Asian film, TV, music, and web content available on the platform into one place. Just say Asian American into your Xfinity voice remote to check it out. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, the Women to Watch, nonprofit watch. Hi, I'm Cheryl Mackey from the United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Home ownership continues to be the single most important key to wealth, both individually and generation to generation. When we enable someone to purchase a home, we help them attain an asset which allows them to build long-term stability for themselves and for their families. Through appreciation and forced savings, families build equity and increase net worth. Home ownership has been central to Americans' ability to amass wealth. According to the 2013 Harvard University Joint Center for Housing Studies report, strong support persists for the association between owning a home and accumulating wealth. The wealth gap between the black and white community is seven to one. And this is largely due to mandates and policies that have prevented black and brown families from purchasing homes. In 2015, the U.S. Census Bureau conducted a study that showed 50% of Philadelphia renters pay more than 30% of their income on rent. Each year, rents experience an increase on average of 20%, placing families in financially difficult situations that often leads to countless evictions. Approximately 22,000 legal evictions take place in Philadelphia each year, impacting women and children of color at a higher rate. Mortgages allow costs to be fixed, providing a more stable housing payment, which allows the owner to minimize and maintain their cost of living. Since home ownership continues to represent an important opportunity for individuals and families of limited means to accumulate wealth, the Lubert Individual Development Asset Program is committed to continuing to provide individuals with the necessary resources and support to achieve higher levels of financial stability so they can begin building and sustaining wealth. On average, IDA graduates experience a monthly savings of $300 to $400 when purchasing their home. The IDA program is a matched savings program in which the home buyer receives a two-to-one match towards the purchase of a home. For more information, please contact the United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey at www.unitedforimpact.org. Thank you. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking to Danelle Dixon, the CEO and Executive Director of the Stellar Development Foundation. And so now I want to talk about this foundation and uh, two questions. How did you land there? And I wanted to ask you what you think the co-founder, Jed McCaleb, saw in you that he wanted to bring you on board to lead this organization. 
That's, uh, it's, it's a funny story, actually. I was at Mozilla at the time, and uh, a, a friend of mine who was a former colleague and also uh, knew Jed introduced Jed and I. And in the email, he said that Jed was looking for a director. And I assumed that Jed was looking for a director for his board. And uh, so I took the meeting, and uh, Jed and I were talking. And midway through, Jed, I realized what Jed was actually looking for was an executive director and CEO. And I instantly said, oh, that's not me. Like, I'm not going to do that. No, like, but I'll, I can help you. And uh, <laughs> I can help you find someone. And then Jed and I spent, I, I just really liked him as a human. And I loved what he was doing and trying to do with this organization. And we spent about nine months just like, just talking in at different phases and we had dinner a couple of times because he really you know his thing was like I've made mistakes before in terms of fit folks that I brought into organizations and I really want to know how it works how you work and how I work and we need to make sure that we can work well together um, and I think what Jed saw in me was that he knew that there were certain things he wasn't particularly good at like Jed is a founder and just a creator and a thinker and he is like he's just a remarkable human in that way, but he's not someone who can build an organization because he's not going to be focused on those foundational pieces that you need to do about strategy. And, you know, he just wants to get it all done and he doesn't think about the details around that. And I think Jed saw that I could do that. And I saw in Jed a founder in Silicon Valley, and I'll just be very honest and tell you, a male founder in Silicon Valley that wanted to be very, very supportive of me, which is not always the norm. And I found that to be very unique in my experience. And I was really tired of being sort of the woman behind the man in all of these organizations that I had been at. And I found that it was the it was the right space for me to go into. I loved the policy positions of it. I loved what we could do with the technology. And I really enjoyed, and I still do, working with Jed. Like Jed has just been the most supportive of me in this move. And he, even if we disagree, he'll say, you know, it's your decision. Here's what my take is on it. Mm. And I that's love awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. The knowing you have that freedom and that, you know, somebody really trusts you. Um, if Danelle, if I were to give a kind of a simple description of the mission behind Stellar, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, the, the goal is to make money more fluid, um, markets more open, and people more empowered. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about, you know, what the work you're doing how it's really going to affect the world as a whole and why it matters to you. Right. I think that's exactly what sort of our, our one of our taglines is, is what you just articulated. Our mission is to really create equitable access to the global financial system. And the most important thing about that, you know, back in the days when I was at Mozilla, I talked about how the Internet and access to the Internet was a right, not a privilege. And I think even more foundationally, access to financial products and tools and services and education is equally a right and not a privilege. And unfortunately, so much today, it's, it's, it's allocated to those that have the privilege instead of those that don't. And so what we're trying to do with blockchain technology, and we're shepherding the code base for the Stellar Network, is we create these tools and others that build on top of the, the infrastructure that we've built and that others in our ecosystem have built to make it so that you don't actually need to have a bank down the street to be able to hold digital assets and to be able to invest your money, hold your money, uh, you know, spend your money digitally. Because what we take for granted here in the United States is that our banks are right down the street. Well, that's just not the case elsewhere. 
And so it's really focusing on those regional needs of the individuals and allowing companies within those regions to build on top of our technology to solve those local problems that they, where they need to have access to just the, the basic things we take for granted, which is they don't want to put their money under their, under their mattress and they want to get interest on it, but they don't and they can't get a bank account because they're excluded from that. But you can do that now using the technology that is built on top of Stellar. And I think that that, to me, is just the most remarkable achievement and using technology for good. And that I love. Yeah. You know, when I think about how today, you know, how we pay for things and do banking is so incredibly different from, you know, when we were growing up. And it's hard to trust with the speed of which things are changing from a technological standpoint. You know, how can what what would you say to myself and our, our listeners about, you know, if one day all of the, our um, exchanges and payments are digital, that we can trust that? Yeah, so I think one of the things about blockchain is it's an immutable record. So the transactions happen and they're final and they're transparent so you can see them so that you actually don't have to rely on some centralized authority to not make mistakes. You can see it all happen in the open. But most importantly, I think that you know one of the things we learned with the, with the internet is it took us time to get used to being able to have this conversation, frankly, over the web, right? And, and you might not want to understand every little bit of the underlying technology to do that. So what we need to do with blockchain and what people will become more accustomed to with this technology is once we focus on the user, the benefits to the user, but do it really simple. Make it so that it's just like opening your email and you can open your wallet on your phone and do things with it. Focusing on that user interface and and really solving consumers' problems, that's how people are going to be able to leverage this technology and to be comfortable with it. Yes. You know, anything that can be more user friendly is going to be embraced. You know, I think oftentimes the the new things that come out are, are they just take too long to figure out and then, um, you know, people lose interest. So we're going to go into our last break. Um, stay with us as I talk to Danielle Dixon, the CEO and executive director of the Stellar Development Foundation. Stay tuned for our watch team. Now the women to watch. Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar for your Legal Watch. Last week, I told Women to Watch listeners that the implications of the Chauvin trial would have wide-reaching effects on multiple legal facets in our nation. One unprecedented development was the live streaming. Every moment from jury selection to verdict reading was available in real time to anyone who cared to tune in. A major player in making that happen was my law partner, Lita Walker. She hosted a webinar on Friday along with the senior managing editor and vice president of the Star Tribune, Suki Dardarian, senior counsel for the New York Times, Dana Green, senior field producer for Court TV, Grace Wong, and the commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Corrections, Paul Schnell. Chuck Tobin moderated. On the webinar, they unpack the events of the weeks leading up to the verdict, from the triumph of having a live stream trial to the unrest while the trial was in progress to the ongoing efforts by media to obtain juror names and trial exhibits, along with camera access in future trials. The public and the press have a First Amendment right to attend criminal trials, with few exceptions, but the law isn't yet definitive on extending that right to audiovisual devices. In fact, over the past several decades, it's been a topic of hot debate, and in Minnesota, no cameras are allowed unless the state, the prosecutors, and the defendant all agree to allow them. Certainly in this case, the pandemic played a significant role in that decision. There's so much information here. I strongly encourage you to go to ballardspar.com and watch the recording of the webinar. It's free and it's important. 
This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard Spar with your Legal Watch. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. A few years back, I was working with a director of HR and she came to a coaching session one day and said, BJ, I finally get it. I get what you're teaching me. And I have a new motto that I play over and over in my head when I'm dealing with really stressed out people at work. Quote, drop it like it's hot. Unquote. You might find that funny when HR, whose job it is to deal with stressed out people, wants to drop it. But it's not that. And it's not that for many of us leaders who deal with stressed out employees. Here's a great question to ask your employee when they are stressing about a problem or come to you with a complaint. What are you making it mean? You see so many of them put their own drama in it. They make it mean more than it is, or they can't stop spinning on things they can't control. The only one suffering when you don't drop the drama going on around you is you. And listen, accepting something that is wrong or upsetting is not indifference, but it's just choosing to have control of what you can. And that is choosing how you want to react. Drop it like it's hot. Keep thinking about that. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm with Danelle Dixon, the CEO and Executive Director of the Stellar Development Foundation. Um, Danelle, I wanted to switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to open with a quote because this made me laugh. You said, as the mom of five boys, some days I feel really old and other days I feel really young. And I want the listeners to know, you know, you're, again, it's... It is impressive to be running a large company like this and also be the mom of five boys between the ages of 11 and 20. Um, My question for you, you I'm not going to ask you how you balance it all. Um, What do you think that your boys are learning watching you as their mom um, doing something so important? and, and, you know, taking a great amount of time um, as a woman. It's such a great question. And I felt like for a long time that my kids didn't really understand the work that I did, nor did I necessarily expect them to. And it's just been like over COVID, as, as challenging as the COVID times were, you know, we were all home, that our two college sons were home in addition to all the other three boys. And we actually spent so much time at the dinner table. Like, again, dinner is like a really important part of our family life as well. And we would talk about just what's happening. And then our two older boys started, and and mostly one of them, started doing investing in crypto and like spending time in blockchain and really trying to understand it. And and I think they now get it because that wasn't me talking about it. It was him. And then it was all of them discussing like what was actually happening and what we were trying to do. And so it's just been so much fun, particularly over the last six months, watching them learn a little bit. And I don't really think that, you know, like I am just their mom. And frankly, that is my most important role in life. And uh, and I've learned so much from them. They've taught me how to be their mom and how to be better and better at that role. And and I, I hope that they just take away that you can do pretty much anything. You know, I was a girl that grew up in Gilroy, California, without any just like any knowledge that this could be my life. And my life is remarkable and amazing and we all have challenges, but my kids have really sort of gotten us through those things. And I think that, you know, we learn from them as much as they learn from us. And so I think that they see me working, they, they know I work hard, they know that I've done that my whole life. And I think it causes them to really want to do that too. 
can you talk about Danelle, what what has been your greatest challenge you know um I, I feel as though as as families, you know, working moms and dads, kids in school, the past year's been difficult all by itself. You're, um, you know, a lot, you have a lot on your plate. We talked about that ability to kind of quiet the mind. Talk a little bit about what what is the most difficult for you and how do you continue to stay very positive. I think you're you're an incredibly positive person and always move forward. Yeah, the most difficult challenge I think that we've had in our family life certainly and in my life was that my my three three of my boys their dad is was an alcoholic. And I think, you know, I was a single mom for a while um, with them uh, as I was trying to to protect them from the the seriousness of that disease and the implications of that illness. And I think that really trying to get the boys to understand that their dad loved them as much as he could, but he just didn't love himself. That has been a really, really big part of my engagement with those three boys over the last you know, 10 years of their life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been a challenge because it wasn't always easy for me. He was very, very hard on me. And, uh, it, and I think trying to keep that balance and that understanding that it was the illness and not him um, for them as in as much as for me has been the largest challenge. But I think you know, it's also brought a lot of goodness to my life because it's brought perspective and understanding to really appreciate the things that we have in front of us. Mm. And not, and I would imagine as well, just that um, when, when we have a loved one that struggles like that, you know, you, you kind of see the, the whole human race, you know, with more empathy. Well, I think that one of the things I always tell my, my, my employees at the office as much as I can say to my friends, is you never know what's going on behind those doors at someone's home. So just approach them with empathy yes. and approach them with compassion because they could be, you know, experience. So many people didn't know what we were going through for years and years and years. And it's that understanding that we're all human and humanity is such an important thing to bring to everything that we do in life. Yeah. Danelle, I, I so appreciate your speaking with such candor about that. And um, I, I wish you continued success and, and hope you'll stay in touch. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. It was so much fun. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Mark your calendars for next week's show with co-founder and COO of Cloverleaf. Um, she's also a TEDx speaker. Have a great week, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans. Like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime. Feels like progress.
The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.